Today's episode is presented by Yelp. Yelp's mission is to connect people with great local businesses. They also offer great solutions for restaurants looking to streamline their front of house and increase sales. Millions of diners are already using Yelp, and these products are a great way to capitalize on that network. Head over to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash full comp to claim your free page and learn more about these powerful tools for your business. Now here we go. As an entrepreneur and as a guy that had been in the industry a long time, I, I thought I knew what I was doing and I thought I could do it. I, I guess the, the one word am, answer is arrogance. Welcome to Full Comp, a show offering insight into the future of the hospitality industry, featuring restaurateurs, thought leaders, and innovators, served up on the house. Are you ready to level up? The Pineapple Post has launched, and I'd like for you to be a part of it. It's a newsletter for people like you, people who want to learn and improve. It's delivered every Sunday, and it's packed with stories, videos, and audio content from the brightest minds in our industry. We're covering the latest news, innovations, and trends to inform and inspire the way you do business. When you're serious about your work and you're ready to take it to the next level, the Pineapple Post is here to help. You can sign up at pineapplepost.news. I hope you check it out. If there's only one lesson to be learned from helping someone open a restaurant, it's that it would probably be a bad idea to open up one yourself. Max Sheets spent his professional life helping restaurateurs scale their businesses to massive proportions. At some point along the way, he caught the entrepreneurial bug and decided to strike out on his own. Today, we discuss the tools and tricks he learned from corporate giants and how he implemented those in his restaurant concept. We begin our conversation at the moment Max decided to take the entrepreneurial leap. You know, I, uh, I've been around entrepreneurs because I was always on the, the, the front end of these concepts and, and the, the development side of it when they were young and growing. You know, typically I showed up when there were less than 100 stores and went up to, you know, 300 or so and then went on my way. Um, so I've been around that end of it a long time. And, and, and it's, uh, you know, that to me, that's the fun part. I mean, that's when all the innovation and the entrepreneurship and all the fun things about a new concept are happening then. So I just got to a point in my career where, I, where you know, three or four years ago, I thought, you know, if I'm ever going to do this myself, uh, it has to be now because I'm getting, you know, I'm getting to the point where, I mean, I'm, I'm not really contemporary anymore, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I've got some aging and, uh, uh, you, you know, I'm, I'm barrel aged and, um, and, and so it was just time. And I, I, I've seen the things that I thought were, were really inspiring to me. And I had seen some things that were disheartening. And I thought, you know, uh, instead of talking about it, let's go do it. And, and I saw the chicken segment emerging and, and watched uh, as consumer preferences elevated chicken. And, and I thought, uh, this is the direction to go. This is what the future is going to be. And then how can we make something that's different than what's out there? Because, you know, we play in a saturated market. I, I don't care what you pick. I mean, I mean, maybe there might be a few, but, but you know, seafood, I would say, isn't saturated. But, but most of them are. And so how do we find a niche and how do we find a segment that makes us 
just different enough to be appealing, you know, to the market. Yeah, it had to be frightening then. Talk to me about the day you decided to quit your job. Well, uh, it'd been a long time coming and uh, it didn't go very smoothly. And, <laughs> and so, um, you know, I'd been very fortunate along the way. So I, I was going to be okay. And, um, and, it, and it was like, you know, you're either going to jump in. I mean, what I really wanted to do was continue to keep a foot in the ring, and, but that wasn't going to be an opportunity. And, and so it was, it was jump in with both feet. And, um, uh, you know, you kinda, it's kind of like learning to swim in a, in a way, other than I've had lots of years of lessons. But you still, you, you jumped in the deep end. Uh, when you decide to do it yourself and your, your name's on the, on the door and your name's on the bottom of the checks, um, and you make a commitment to people, then uh, it's a whole different feeling and, and it's a whole different experience. So, you know, you jump in the deep end, you know the water's over your head potentially, but you tread water. And, and so that's really what I did and, and learned a lot. I mean, as, as, even with all those years of experience, um, there was a lot to learn about the chicken business um, that, that you just didn't, you can't take it all into account until you're actually in the ring. And, and in the game. Well, and I can't imagine that you didn't know what, how high the failure rate was in the industry or, or how competitive the market you were going into was going to be. Um, I got into this industry when I was very young. Um, and, and I got into it because I thought it would be cool. And Lord knows, certainly there have been facets that have been, you know, really cool and really amazing and experiences that you're not going to get anywhere else. But it's not like my eyes were fully open when I stepped in. Um, but yours, yours were. And so in understanding the failure rate and how difficult it is, like, what did you think you knew that other people didn't? I think that puts all entrepreneurs, uh, if you don't answer, the honest answer to that, completely honest, is, you know, as an entrepreneur and as a guy that's been in the industry a long time, I, I thought I knew what I was doing. I thought I could do it. I, I guess... The, the one word am, answer is arrogance. And, and so we all have to have a bit of an ego and we all got to have a bit of, of arrogance to say that we think we can do something better than others. And, and, and you know, then, then you get knocked down a few times along the way and get your knees skinned up <laughs> and, uh, and become humble and, and realize that, uh, yeah, yeah, I can do this. And yeah, I've got a lot of years of experience, but I'm really not as good as I thought I was at certain aspects of this. And you better go get someone really good in operations. And that's what I did. I learned real quickly that, that I'm really good at development. I'm really good at conceptual things. And I can, I've got pretty good vision and I can see down the road a long ways. But hands-on, day-to-day operations, man, that's, that's not me. And uh, uh, hiring Bob Peterson, our COO, uh, about 18 months ago, 19 months ago, is, is what changed the, the real course of the brand. And, and it's, it's having the humility uh, to know that you don't know it all and, and play to each other's strengths and be collaborative and understand that this is a people business uh, from the get-go and, uh, and create an environment and a culture that allows people to grow. You, you just said a word that I, it was going to be the next thing I wanted to talk about, which is culture, right? Because you existed within a corporate culture that you didn't establish, and then here you are in your own business after having experienced like all of these like foundational cultures that had been created and honed over years. When you envisioned your own culture for your own company, like what, what were the individual elements? 
we have a whole handbook, a small one that people can keep in their pockets. And, and whether it's right now or in a little bit, I'll share that with you because it's that important to me. But, you know, we, we, we have got some core tenets and, and, you know, we all look good together. We all look bad together. The wisdom is in the group, you know, but, but we all want to share our wisdom. We want to be humble. We want humility. Uh, we want to be smart. And, and when I say smart, that's people smart. You know, we want to be smart. We want to treat others the way we want to be treated. Uh, and we want to be nimble today because, because man, it, it, as you know, in the world we live in today, you better be ready to pivot. And, and we've done a, a, a wonderful job of that through, through this pandemic. I'm, I'm very proud of our people. Um, so I've got a whole little booklet that, that, that I've put together, and I, I would love to share that with you. I mean, you've obviously been in the game a long time. I think it's a very innovative thing. That, that we share among all of us. And that I'd like to share with you just for that reason, because if we're all get on the same page, man, it makes life so much easier, right? And, and we all have these shared values. And, you know, being accountable, and I mean, all the things that you can, can that go along with coming from a corporate background. But we've really condensed this uh, into, into these key tenets where people can pick this up and look at it and share it with people and be proud of, you know, here's what we do and here's who we are and here's what we stand for. Um, you, you know, through through COVID, uh, one of the neat things is 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 um, we've done some cool things and I am so proud of our people. So when this all hit, I watched a lot of, 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 of friends in the business and, and, and there were different, you know, there were some tough decisions to be made, right? And my decision was, you know, I'm not going to let 75 people go. I'm not doing that. I'm, I, these people have families. They are, they are providing for them. And, and the easy way out to me was to say, Hey, it's a bad deal. We're, we're all going to get, you know, the ends, you know, and, and I just, we're going to do that. So I brought everyone together and, 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 and we said, Hey, we're, we're not, we're not, we're not quitting. We're not, no one's going to be laid off. No one's going to be furloughed. No one's going to get sent home because of this. What we're going to do is I challenge you all to go home and think, and we're going to think our way through this. And what are we going to do to get through it together? And man, our people came back with ideas and then we started implementing them. And, 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 and one of them was we got involved uh, with the Mennonite brethren and we fed, I think, 72 people every Wednesday night. Well, the coolest thing was watching our people prepare those boxes which were two smoked drumsticks, a piece of bread, and either white beans or, or southern greens. So a great, a great value meal, right? And we sold those for $2 as well. But we gave these to these, these families. And the pride our people got from truly serving and realizing that, man, this whole thing, if we work together and be good to others, it, it pays it forward. And, and, and then, you know, along with that same box, you know, we did it as a $2 meal. We had so many people come in and say, can I get 10 of these? Because I know some people that really need it. Of course you can, you know, to, to be able to be a, in, in the service sector. And, and we offered uh, value meals to anyone if you were in the service sector. I mean, you got to give back. And so we got really community active. And it's been good for us on all levels. Um, and, you know, I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm just goofy enough that, that uh, you know, every, everybody talks about kids eat free, right? I mean, everybody's got a kids eat free promotion. So starting Monday, 
at Chicken Max at all three locations, we're going to do a parent seat free. So you bring your kid in because you, you're homeschooling them now. You're doing virtual stuff. I mean, we're in this whole different world. And, you know, it's a lot of stress on the parent. So just come to Chicken Max and you bring your kid. We'll give you the free meal. Just get a kid's meal. How cool is that? And that's not my idea. I'd like to tell you that it was. It's not. It's, it's our people working together and thinking. How can you afford to do all that, though? Low food cost and, and realizing that when you pay it forward, um, the commitment will pay off in the future because people in, in the community will say, hey, you know what they did for us in our time of need? We're going back. I wouldn't argue that point for one minute, but how do you stay afloat in between now and then? You know, thank goodness our, uh, our business model has been such that our drive-through has sustained us. And oh, that's look, great. We have, we, we've had some incredible landlords who have helped us along the way, some incredible vendors that have participated and given us products to do these things. It's not just us. It's, it's a whole bunch of people that have said, hey, we're in a tough time here and let's take care of, of, of people. And so it's, it's all those factors working together. And, and, and you know, I, I'm, I'm in this for the long haul. Um, this isn't, this isn't going to be a flash in the pan thing where we, you know, say we're the best thing and, and, then, and then you don't see me again. I'm going to be around a while and I've been around a while. And this is a moment for us to have a legacy and to do the right things. You know, one of our, one of our tenants is doing what's right is never wrong. So we're just doing what's right. And, and bottom line, Josh, all, all those spreadsheets and that stuff, man, that's, that's the exhaust of what the business creates. Let's, we'll, we'll read the exhaust, but let's take care of our people because it's those people that will get us to the promised land. For sure. But this is a data-driven concept, is it not? I mean, you had a strategy in place from menu creation to execution from the beginning, right? That's right. That's right. But we are people-driven and people-focused. And, 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 and we, we look at data to see how we're doing. Data is the exhaust. And if you take good care of your people, the numbers will take care of it. And, and, you know, and yes, you've got to have a great operations manual. You've got to keep your eye on, as you know, cost of goods sold, labor, all that. All that goes into the model. But if you're taking care of your people and they're taking care of your guests, as you well know, sales, sales you know, will, will take care of a lot of bills. So... So, you know, we're people focused and we're, we're, we're people driven and, 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 and we look at data, you know, every day, but, but I'm not going to be focused first on the data. The minute you start focusing in my, in my career, the minute you start looking first at the data is the next minute you see us taking an ounce out of the cheese or a couple ounces out of the patty or, you know, doing the wrong things. And, and if we do the right things, and, and there are some great companies out there doing the right things and look at their success. Let's talk about planning. I, I'm a big believer now, with hindsight being 2020, uh, <laughs> that, that you can actually plan to succeed. It's one of the big lessons that I've learned through doing the show from talking to these brilliant folks. And I know that in corporate America, there's a plan for everything, that you don't get to execute until that you've created a plan that's been vetted by like 10 other people. Um, but as an independent restaurant owner, like you can open a whole concept, you know, you can, you can take on, you know, a million dollars worth of investor financing with just an idea on what a menu might look like and, and what a location might, you know, how it might function and, and just run with it. But, you know, what the pandemic has taught us, in my opinion, 
is that the planning is a critical element. Um, and, and with that, I want to talk to you about building a better fried chicken sandwich because I know a lot of love and passion went into it, but I also know a lot of strategy and planning went into it. Sure. Um, plan your work, work your plan. Right? <laughs> I like it. Work, work your plan. When Bob got here, the first thing he did for 90 days was watch. I mean, watch. And then we sat down and debriefed. And, and probably one of the most things that makes me a unique entrepreneur is I don't think I know it all. And I do subscribe. And I do believe in the fact that the wisdom's in the group. And so I'm open to feedback. And I'll act on it. And so we started making tweaks and we started pulling different levers because the plan all along was to come up with a scalable concept that would be the same wherever we opened it and that was easy to execute with a financial model that made sense. Because I, I think there's a lot of models out there today that with the cost of land, the cost of construction, it doesn't make sense to me to go spend two and a half or three million dollars knowing that your AUV is going to be one seven. Not, that just wasn't in my background. So it was to come up with a financial model and, and put together a concept with chicken as its, as its core. And then we started moving the ball down the field. And everything we tried, every lever we pulled, seemed to continue to increase frequency, satisfaction, reviews. And, and then, you know... How do you get to be in the restaurant business almost 40 years and never look at the number one players front of their building? So I'll tell you, so you, you, you get in and to your point, you, 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 you get humble and you really start opening up and, and you drive by this concept where you know their average unit volume is way more than anybody else and they're only open six days a week. And, and their big tagline is to say my pleasure What's it say across the front of their building that I'd never read? Hmm. Home of the original chicken sandwich. Gosh, I think we should quit focusing on tenders. And I think we should really start honing in on sandwiches. And then when you see what Popeye's did and, you know, what for whatever reason and, and, and excuse the pun, but Chick-fil-A bit and Whoa, look what it did. Look, look at, look at what happened. And, and, it, and it told me right then that, Hey, we need, we need to really be in the sandwich business and we need to be in the sandwich business in a different way than anyone else. Cause we knew we, we know we've got great flour, great batter, great flavor profiles. And, and so we have these two platforms, one with fried, but the other, and you're a California guy, right? With almond wood smoked chicken. Mm -hmm. And that's our healthy platform. So you can come into our store and not just have to worry about fried chicken, but get something healthy and good as well with its low calorie and high protein. So we've got these two distinct platforms. And then, I mean, after spending years at Ted's Montana Grill, Smashburger, Freddy's, I mean, how does, how does it take so long to sink into my thick head? But, but uh, you know, you're, 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 on the, you're on the leading edge of the better burger segment. I mean, George, George McCarroll at Ted's, he defined the better burger segment 10 years before anybody else caught on. That's the kind of visionary George is. So why it ever took me so long to say, hey, no one is defining the better chicken sandwich. We're going to be the better chicken sandwich. We are the better chicken sandwich. And just, you know, we are doing it off of two platforms and, and be able to get it out 
to the, to the guest with, with hopefully in under four minutes, fresh, hot, and delicious. And with flavor profiles that no one else has. That's great. Now let's, let's, let's go high level for a minute because I, I think that it's also important for folks to know uh, like that your strategy extended past like the first 12 months, right? It, it, I don't know, how long was your plan? When you were, when, when you were like masterminding this, this concept, was it a two-year plan, 10-year plan, 20-year started, plan? Started off as a, as a three-year plan. I, I thought, you know, we need to get to 36 months and really have things refined, figured out, become profitable at the unit level. And, and then we can say, all right, let's look outside of this small town of, of Wichita, Kansas. Uh, Wichita is a great place to come start things because the cost of entry makes sense. But it's not a good place to really see how you're going to do in how you would, would do in a, in a major market, in a big market, in a big city. I mean, you know, Wichita is 400,000 people, half a million people uh, when you really start to stretch the trade area. But it's not, um, it, you know, it's, it, it's not LA, it's not Houston, it's not Chicago. It's not a big, big major metropolitan area. So let's refine things and let's work on things and put our strategy together. And then let's figure out how we go and plant this flag in other places and see how we do. Well, let's get granular. So the, the goals for the first location were to achieve profitability. Uh, were you profitable in the first unit before you started the second? I, I opened three units in the first 12 months because I wanted to know that we had a concept that could be duplicated and that, uh, uh, I, like I said, I, I mean, I, I'm jumping in the deep end here. So we opened three stores in the first 12 months of the brand's existence. And then, and then it was okay. We've got some mass here. Let's let's really go get. And then it's time to really get granular and figure out how we do this. So the answer is no. We weren't. Yes, it hurt, but this gave us three opportunities to really get out there and understand what the consumer was thinking, saying, doing, feeling, and whether we could do this in multiple locations. And the answer is, you know, we stumbled. Along the way, I'm the first to, to raise my hand and say I stumbled and, and skinned my knee a little bit, but, but, you know, there wasn't a white flag in the bag. And so you get up and you shake yourself off and you learn from your mistakes. And now all three units are profitable. Was that a good idea? Do you feel no. like that was a good idea? Yeah, if you could go back and do it again, would you do it the same? No, absolutely not. No, <laughs> stupid, arrogance, ego. Because you're not just, when you make a change, you've got to make a change across all three, right? Bingo. Exactly. By, by taking the knocks and by, by making that mistake, we also learned how to do it three at a time, how to train, how to, how to, how to get people ready to roll out new systems and procedures. And again, uh, it, it's all about people and, and we've got the right people that are, that are doing those things right now. And uh, it took a little bit but we're in a much better place faster because we have three units and we took the lumps on the front end. Would I do it again? Nah, no way. <laughs> Will I do it again? I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> My sleeve. That's amazing. Uh, you got a great education, right? You, you, had, you had the good fortune of being able to learn the business while getting paid to do it using other people's money. And what I want to know, what, like, what were the big lessons that you took 
from what we'll call it like the corporate restaurant industry? What are they doing right? What are they doing wrong? Like what were the thing that like top three best lessons you learned and like top three mistakes to avoid? You know, I would tell you that the, the, the best things to learn coming out, again, it, it's hard for me to really relate to real corporate guys, right? I mean, I mean, the real corporate guys are at, are at Blumen Brands, they're at Darden, they're at McDonald's, they're at these big companies. And I've never been, I've never landed in one of those. I've always been part of these startups. Um, and I've kind of always watched it go from entrepreneurial to big companies. And, um, and, and, and that's, I'm not a good fit for that. Um, but, but, you know, the best thing that I can tell you, the best learning thing uh, from, from being around all these startups is, is listening, learning to have to develop really good listening skills. Uh, and you learn different things from different people. Um, you know, I, I, I learned really great analytical skills and how to break down a PL and how to really look at the business model uh, working for Jamie Coulter at, 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 at his Pizza Hut franchises from the time I was a kid um, all the way through Lone Star Steakhouse and Fox and Hound. I learned an incredible amount uh, from Dennis Thompson uh, on an operational level and, and, a, and a, a concept development level. And then taking it to the next level was with George. And with George Vaccaro, I mean, I really got to see the nuts and bolts because I started when Ted's Montana Grill was conceptual. I mean, it was an idea on paper. And so I got to really be a part of how that whole thing came together with the food, with the concept, with the decor, the music, the art, everything that went into it. And, and I really learned a lot about that. And then, you know, I, I learned I, working, being around Tom Ryan at Smashburger. I mean, come on, you know, the guy's a food scientist. I learned more about food and flavors from Tom than I mean, he's one of the very, very best in the industry and has been for, for 30 years. Uh, amazing guy. So I got to, I learned all those neat things and different aspects and then, you know, got to watch some things. And, and the biggest thing I will tell you that I learned is when you are, are, are young and growing a concept, you can only grow as fast as people allow you. And in many cases, we got way out ahead of ourselves for lots of different reasons. And it was the growth which I fueled. I mean, that was my, I was the development guy. I was putting the fuel in the tank. And, and it's that growth that will, will, will crush you if you're not prepared and have the people with the culture to go execute the brand accordingly. And when you start to bring in, when you start to really grow fast and you've got to bring in people from all over to do this, they really, you really have to come up with a way to have culture. They, they have to buy in and they, it has to be ingrained because they're bringing in a culture from all these different companies. And so your culture then is, is slowly eroding and you're right. diluting what makes you, you know, who you are. And that's why, and I, I promise I'm going to get you this book that we wrote because it's so important. Um, you know, the, the key is that everyone really buys in. We had a, a new uh, manager on, the, on, our, on our weekly call this last week. And, you know, th that is the essence of our business, growing, identifying, or, you know, identifying, hiring, training, growing young people. And this young guy was... I think he had been in a in a situation for a lot of years, and suddenly he he you know he, he, I think he was maybe a little tired of it, but came on board with us 
and we recognized how, how his abilities and man, he's, he's just caught fire. And he spoke up on this call yesterday and it just lit me up. It, it told me why I continue to do this. I mean, he was just enthusiastic, you know, understood being involved in the community, serving our guests, taking care of others. And it was, man, it, it, it's all back to this is why we're doing this. This is why we're doing it. It's cool. I want to talk about teams and, and teamwork and assembling a team. I, I think that it's a critical element that's missing in the independent restaurateurs tool bag. Um, just as an example, every location I've ever owned, opened, I bought myself a job every time. So who was the opening GM? I was the opening GM. Who was the director of operations? Oh, that was me too. CEO, why not? Uh, dishwasher on Saturday night, I'd love to. This is, this is the nature of, you know, the, the, the corporate structure or lack thereof of most, most independently owned restaurants. Having said that, we all want to grow, man. Like nobody, I, I think very few independent restaurateurs or entrepreneurs open one to not open two or to open three or four to franchise out. What, what did your team look like? What did your opening team look like? What did your corporate structure look like from the beginning? Well, from, it's changed so much from the beginning. From the beginning, it was me and, and, and a few young people that I thought would, would, would work and, and, and using my knowledge is, 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 you know, so that's how we got started. But the, but, but the learning of that was that we needed different people with different skill sets. This wasn't Pizza Hut. And this, you know, this isn't Pizza Hut. This isn't the steak business. This isn't the hamburger business. In all those businesses, you know, you're counting pepperonis, you're weighing sausage, you're weighing cheese, you know exactly how much sauce, you know, a, a, a crust is, a, you know, all those things. You know, they're, they're, if you're making quarter pounders, there's four in every pound of beef or there's three if they're third pounders. That's, that's all pretty, pretty basic, easy to com compute things. What you learn, what I learned really quickly is, man, chicken's hard because you buy it by the pound and you sell it by the piece. So... We got to get smart on this. And when you're when you're breaking down birds and smoking them and pulling them, yield becomes a big thing. So I had to get really in the weeds, understanding how we were going to control food costs. And then, you know, unlike beef, unlike these other commodities, chickens traded on the spot market. I can't go hedge it. And and when wings go through the roof, and and, and they go from thirty five dollars a case to seventy four dollars a case. How do you prepare for that? And so these were all learning experiences while I'm opening three stores. And, uh, uh, and so I realized real quickly, I need really good, qualified, mature people who have been around the industry a long time who are smarter than me. And, and, and so that is, uh, that's what we did. We brought in Bob Peterson. Bob is a, a you know, he, was, he ran all the Paneras in the Southeast. He ran a couple hundred Sonics. He was a divisional manager for Steak and Shake. He was also an entrepreneur before that. So he, he brought in the, the, the unique balance as well that I had of, of that entrepreneurial yet corporate background. And we meshed uh, from the get-go. And I just, you know, you, you've got to swallow your pride and say, okay, you know, go do this and, 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 and make us better. And Bob really did that. And so then we opened the third store and – that store with his leadership and his strategies and teams um, 
looked completely different than, than when I was floundering around trying to do it. And then from there, you know, we've really changed the direction. We're, we're kind of a first cousin to where we started. You know, when we first started, you know, you look at Raisin Cane's, you look at Zaxby's, you look at, at, at those, those chicken finger concepts. And, and we have really said, no, that's not where we're going to play. We're going to be in the sandwich business because it gives us so much more leeway. And because that's, that seems to be what the, cu- the, cu- the customer desires. And then when you add the element of the smoker in, in the restaurant, um, and almond wood, um, it, it gives you a uniqueness that no one else has. So we've got just more mature people, more, more tenure, and the, the openings going forward you know, will be much smoother just because we've, we've developed a bench. You know, we're, 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 you know I, I'm willing to eat the labor right now because as you grow, you got to have people. So I'll, 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 have, I'll kill it with the labor and not hold people accountable other than recognizing that, look, you're running high labor because this person's not going to be here for a long time. They're going to move on and open their own store. Right. And that's what I was creating that foundation. And it, and it comes with some pain. Now, with upper management, what's your philosophy on that? Do you, do you share equity or, or create some sort absolutely. of? Un- yep, absolutely. And, and we're working on that model right now. But, but I have forever thought that the original Outback model was a, was a wonderful model for the operator. We, we, we want our operators to participate in this. Just like when we get to the point where we're going to franchise, man, I, I'm a big believer that our franchisees need to be part of the company not just out there on an island as, as, a, as something that gets sold to a big brand because you've got a, a royalty stream and a whole bunch of people that might go do another one that's in your portfolio. So I, I really want to make, and that was really the, the, a learning experience from the pizza, the early, early Pizza Hut days. And, and hats off to Frank and Dan Carney, you know, the founders of Pizza Hut. When they rolled it up and sold it to PepsiCo, man, they took a lot of people on that ride. And, and, you know, the result of that is a lot of guys that went out and did a lot of other things. And, mm-hmm. and so sure everybody's on the bus and, and, and there's plenty to go around if we've got this thing to where I think it can go. Let's talk about franchising. So you have seen it in action, whereas most of us just aspire. You know, I own my own fried chicken concept that didn't do particularly well and I sold it after a year. Um, it's, it's a, you're right. It's a hard business. It's an incredibly, incredibly difficult business. Um, and, and so it, rather than master it, I threw my hands up. I had a white flag in my bag and I got out of there. Um, but the vision was to franchise it, but like, I've never franchised anything before. You have seen that in action. Can you run me through that playbook? What is your franchising plan? How are you going to get from, three locations simultaneously to a fully franchised concept. What's the growth strategy there? Yeah. So uh, first of all, we will never be a fully franchised concept. Um, I think that corporately you've got to have your hat in the ring along with the franchisee to really understand and know the business because you've got that feel with the consumer. So we're going to always have corporate stores or joint ventures, but we're always going to have our hat in the ring. Um, So, there's lots of different models to look at when it comes to franchising, right? Um, you know, the Colonel uh, was a guy who, who threw a, a henny penny in his car in his, in his station wagon in the day and uh, had his, his what, what, 11 different herbs and spices or whatever it was, or 21. I know that's how many blackbirds go on a pie. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> you know, he had his herbs and spices and, and he went out 
and he met with with with, with families. And he, you know, his original franchisees were, were typically husband and wife teams, and and they they were buying themselves a job, so to speak, and they were on the ground floor of all that. Um, so there's that independent model where you go do that, or you go find big groups who have got multiple brands and infrastructure and. And and, uh, and 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 you go that route, and so I think there's a place for both of it. Uh, but right now we are just in the process of, of tightening up and making sure we've got an airtight and excellent operations manual. Uh, we need to know that we've got a team together that if we choose to pull the the lever and say, okay, we're ready to go franchise, that we are ready to support the franchisee. We're not just going to be about taking a royalty. You know, we've got to be there to make sure they're successful. And so to do that, I, I, I think you have to be cognizant, again, of the model. I think you've got to be, you know, cognizant of advertising. And, and, and bottom line, you've got to set them up for success and support them for success along the way. And if we do that, then they're going to build stores. And if they build stores, we're successful. So I don't think it's all about selling franchises. I think it's about finding the right people that you partner with in the franchise business that allows them to be set successful by knowing them knowing and me wanting them to have a seat at the table where we can all sit down and share our learning and say, okay, here's what we think. Here's what we see. Here's what we feel. Let's try it. And, 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 and be there to support our franchisees and to really be there when the going gets tough. I remember in the early days of pizza hut, you know, the carnies waived royalties. They sent teams in, um, it was everything to keep those guys from failing and 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 helping and learning and be, knowing that we're all in it together. And so that's really important to me. Uh, that That's a big learning from over the years because I've seen the other side of it where where the franchisor didn't support the franchisee. And, and you know, we've all watched that in the industry. And and that's not a legacy I want to leave. Uh, the legacy I want to leave is is where – you know, a lot of people can look back and say, man, they really did it right. We really did well because of it. It's an industry podcast. And at the end of every episode, I like to give the guests an opportunity to speak directly to the audience. Do you have any words of advice or encouragement that you'd like to share with the people listening? We're going through tough times and we're going to get through these. And, um, you know, we all look good together. We all look bad together. Uh, but let's be together and, and let's band together and, and think and not panic. And, and uh, you know, the, the last thing I would tell you is, is um, my mom died when I was real young. I was, I was 16. And, and, and uh, you know, she put one thing into my, one, one big arrow in my quiver. And, 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 and it, you know, we'll take this right back to where you started. How, how why would you do three in one year? Um, how did you get from A to B uh, and to C? But, but, I, I, I would encourage everyone out there, particularly in our industry, but, but dream big dreams. Don't be scared to dream big dreams and don't be scared to talk to others and, and ask for help and, and realize you know, that, that it's okay to do that. That's Max Sheets of Chicken Max. To check out the employee handbook he referenced in the show, click the link in the show notes. If you want to tell us your story, hear previous episodes, check out our video content, or read our weekly blog, go to joshkopel.com. That's J-O-S-H-K-O-P-E-L.com.
Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a review. A special thanks to Yelp for helping us spread the word to the whole hospitality community. I'm Josh Kopel. You've been listening to Full Comp. Thank you.